Welcome back to the second week of Ordinary Time and to Six Days to Sunday. In this week's readings, we're going to see a departure from last week where it was all about gathering people together. And instead, now it's what are those people going to do? And both the, the central figures in the Old Testament readings and Jesus in the New Testament are saying it's time for a change, that we are on a path to something revolutionary. This weekend, you'll be hearing uh, a, a small excerpt um, of the um, the third luminous mystery, the proclamation of the kingdom of God, where Jesus says, repent and be saved. The kingdom of God is at hand. And everything prior to that this week, all of the readings really building up to this idea that um, change is at hand and that um, bringing together the people was only the first step of that. In the books of Samuel, we're going to see the rise of David and ultimately his assumption of the throne from Saul, who you'll recall was... um, granted the kingship almost on bad terms. Samuel and God had said to the to the uh, Israeli people, you don't need to have a king, just follow the Lord. They insisted, and so Samuel identified Saul as the king and he was anointed. It established the kingship, but Saul ultimately sees power as a purpose unto itself and loses God's favor as a result. In the case of Jesus, you see the same thing happening with the priests and the Pharisees, where power and control become almost central to them, far beyond actual obedience to the Lord. So think about the the true revolution, the changes that are underway as you hear the readings this week and heading into the Mass this weekend. Monday, January 15th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Samuel. Samuel said to Saul, Stop! Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Saul replied, Speak! Samuel then said, Though little in your own esteem, are you not leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king of Israel and sent you on a mission, saying, Go and put the sinful Amalekites under a ban of destruction. Fight against them until you have exterminated them. Why then have you disobeyed the Lord? You have pounced on the spoil, thus displeasing the Lord. Saul answered Samuel, I did indeed obey the Lord and fulfill the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought back Agag. And I have destroyed Amalek under the ban. From the spoil, the men took sheep and oxen, the best of what had been banned, to sacrifice to the Lord their God in Gilgal. But Samuel said, Does the Lord so delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the command of the Lord? Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission than the fat of rams. For a sin like divination is rebellion, and a presumption 
is the crime of idolatry. Because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he too has rejected you as ruler. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected, Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old cloak. If he does, its fullness pulls away, the new from the old, and the tear gets worse. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One quick explanation before moving on to Tuesday's readings. We hear in the the, uh, first book of Samuel, the frustration of the Lord through Samuel towards Saul, an accusation that Saul has failed to live up to the expectations of the Lord. In the passages just preceding the one today, uh, Saul receives the direction from the Lord and and is explicitly told to go and wipe out the Amalekites, who had been um, a a constant uh, problem for the Israelites and had been attacking the Israelites for years. And the Lord says through Samuel that Saul is to wipe out every man, woman, and child as well as all of their uh, various beasts, and to leave nothing of beauty behind. Um, But as you read on, you find that Saul and his soldiers uh, did not feel that they needed to destroy any of the things of beauty, and instead destroyed only what was displeasing to them. And so that's the reason that we see this this rebuke from, from the Lord through Samuel that ultimately results in Saul losing his his throne. Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve for Saul, whom I have rejected as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. But Samuel replied, How can I go? Saul will hear of it and kill me. To this the Lord answered, Take a heifer along and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I myself will tell you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I point out to you. Samuel did as the Lord had commanded him. When he entered Bethlehem, the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and inquired, Is your visit peaceful, O seer? He replied, Yes, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
So cleanse yourselves and join me today for the banquet. He also had Jesse and his sons cleanse themselves and invited them to the sacrifice. As they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because he sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and presented him before Samuel, who said, The Lord has not chosen him. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, There, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. When Samuel took his leave, he went to Ramah. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of the grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priests could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. The Memorial of St. Anthony the Abbot. A reading from the first book of Samuel. David spoke to Saul, Let your majesty not lose courage. I am at your service to go and fight this Philistine. But Saul answered David, You cannot go up against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are only a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. David continued, The Lord who delivered me from the claws of the lion and the bear will also keep me safe from the clutches of this Philistine. Saul answered David, Go, the Lord will be with you. Then, staff in hand, David selected five smooth stones from the wadi 
and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag. With his sling also ready to hand, he approached the Philistine. With his shield-bearer marching before him, the Philistine also advanced closer and closer to David. When he had sized David up and seen that he was youthful and ruddy and handsome in appearance, the Philistine held David in contempt. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come against me with a staff? Then the Philistine cursed David by his gods and said to him, Come here to me and I will leave your flesh for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David answered him, You come against me with sword and spear and scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel that you have insulted. Today the Lord shall deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will leave your corpse and the corpses of the Philistine army for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Thus the whole land shall learn that Israel has a God. All this multitude, too, shall learn that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he shall deliver you into our hands. The Philistine then moved to meet David at close quarters while David ran quickly toward the battle line in the direction of the Philistine. David put his hand into the bag and took out a stone, hurled it with the the sling, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone embedded itself in his brow, and he fell prostrate on the ground. Thus David overcame the Philistine with sling and stone. He struck the Philistine mortally and did it without a sword. Then David ran and stood over him with the Philistine's own sword, which he drew from its sheath. He dispatched him and cut off his head. The word of the Lord. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So today is the memorial of St. Anthony the Great or St. Anthony the Abbot. A few notes about St. Anthony. He's oftentimes referred to as the father of monks or the father of the monastic life. You see, St. Anthony, when he was only 18 years old, was sitting in a, a mass. This is in the 300s. And he heard the passage from Matthew saying that someone should sell all their goods Give, the, give all the proceeds to the poor 
and uh, go off to follow the Lord. And he felt that that uh, the mass was speaking directly to him at that point in time. So he, living in Egypt at the time, uh, fled into the, the desert, retreated there, and proceeded to live an ascetic life for the remainder of his years. People heard of this uh, incredible person who had done so, and others followed in his in his footsteps, effectively starting up one of the first real communes or or monastic communities um, in the in the history of the world. It's said that Saint Anthony would, throughout his life, from that point on, only ate bread, salt, and water to drink. That he would pray throughout the day and the night, oftentimes going multiple days without any sort of rest uh, or or sustenance as he prayed to the Lord. And despite this, St. Anthony was able to to last throughout the those years and, and into his old age with the Lord basically sustaining him. So just a few thoughts on St. Anthony and, and especially as we see uh, the stories of David and Jesus um, over the remainder of this week and the uh, the challenges that they ran into, the forced retreats that they were forced to take. Thursday, January 18th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Samuel. When David and Saul approached on David's return after slaying the Philistine, women came out from each of the cities of Israel to meet King Saul singing and dancing with tambourines, joyful songs, and sistrums. The women played and sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry and resentful of the song, for he thought, They give David ten thousands, but only thousands to me? All that remains for him is the kingship. And from that day on, Saul was jealous of David. Saul discussed his intention of killing David with his son Jonathan and with all his servants. But Saul's son Jonathan, who was very fond of David, told him, My father Saul is trying to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard tomorrow morning. Get out of sight and remain in hiding. I, however, will go out and stand beside my father in the countryside where you are and will speak to him about you. If I learn anything... I will let you know. Jonathan then spoke well of David to his father Saul, saying to him, Let not your majesty sin against his servant David, for he has committed no offense against you, but has helped you very much by his deeds. When he took his life in his hands and slew the Philistine, the Lord brought about a great victory for all Israel through him. You were glad to see it. Why then should you become guilty of shedding innocent blood by killing David without cause? Saul heeded Jonathan's plea and swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. So Jonathan summoned David and repeated the whole conversation to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and David served him as before. The Word of the Lord A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed from Galilee and from Judea. 
Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Edomea, from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crush him. He had cured many, and as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God! He warned them sternly not to make him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friday, January 19th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Samuel. Saul took 3,000 picked men from all Israel and went in search of David and his men in the direction of the wild goat crags. When he came to the sheepfolds along the way, he found a cave, which he entered to relieve himself. David and his men were occupying the inmost recesses of the cave. David's servants said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, I will deliver your enemy into your grasp. Do with him as you see fit. So David moved up and stealthily cut off an end of Saul's mantle. Afterward, however, David regretted that he had cut off an end of Saul's mantle. He said to the men, The Lord forbid that I shall do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, as to lay a hand on him, for he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David restrained his men and would not permit them to attack Saul. Saul then left the cave and went on his way. David also stepped out of the cave, calling to Saul, My lord, the king! When Saul looked back, David bowed to the ground in homage and asked Saul, Why do you listen to those who say, David is trying to do harm to you? You see for yourself that the Lord just now delivered you into my grasp in the cave. I had some thought of killing you, but I took pity on you instead. I decided I will not raise a hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed and a father to me. Look here at this end of your mantle which I hold. Since I cut off an end of your mantle and did not kill you, see and be convinced that I plan no harm and no rebellion. I have done you no wrong, though you are hunting me down to take my life. The Lord will judge between me and you, and the Lord will exact justice for you in my case. I shall not touch you. The old proverb says, From the wicked comes forth wickedness. So I will take no action against you. Against whom are you on campaign, O king of Israel? Whom are you pursuing, a dead dog or a single flea? The Lord will be the judge. He will decide between me and you. May he see this and take my part and grant me justice beyond your reach. When David finished saying these things to Saul, Saul answered, Is that your voice, my son David? And Saul wept aloud. Saul then said to David, You are in the right rather than I, and you have treated me generously while I have done you harm. Great is the generosity you showed me today when the Lord delivered me into your grasp and you did not kill me. 
For if a man meets his enemy, does he send him away unharmed? May the Lord reward you generously for what you have done this day. And now I know that you shall surely be king, and that sovereignty over Israel shall come into your possession. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Saturday, January 20th, 2024. A reading from the second book of Samuel. David returned from his defeat of the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Going to David, he fell to the ground in homage. David asked him, where do you come from? He replied, I have escaped from the camp of the children of Israel. Tell me what happened, David bade him. He answered that many of the soldiers had fled the battle, and that many of them had fallen and were dead, among them Saul and his son Jonathan. David seized his garments and rent them, and all the men who were with him did likewise. They mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the soldiers of the Lord of the clans of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Alas, the glory of Israel, Saul, slain upon your heights. How can the warriors have fallen? Saul and Jonathan, beloved and cherished, separated neither in life nor in death, swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. Women of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and in finery, who decked your attire with ornaments of gold. How can the warriors have fallen in the thick of the battle, slain upon your heights? I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. Most dear have you been to me. More precious have I held love for you than love for women. How can the warriors have fallen? The weapons of war have perished. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus came with his disciples into the house. Again, the crowd gathered, making it impossible for them even to eat. When his relatives heard of this, they set out to seize him, for they said, He is out of his mind. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
So today's theme is really going to get into the changes between the new and the old. The new guard overcoming the old guard. I think you can see where I'm going to be going with this one. But before I dive into that, this is one of those times when I think a lot is lost um, in selecting specific passages. I mean, we can't read the entire book of Samuel um, in, in a single sitting in, in a mass, but it's definitely worth reading in a single sitting at home. You see, we have some, some uh, kind of surprising kind of juxtapositions in the, the readings that we get, where David first uh, slays Goliath the Philistine, um, one of the most famous and well-known stories from the Bible, and then returns with Saul to through the cities of Israel, where everyone starts cheering for David. There's a whole series of exchanges thereafter where Saul repeatedly comes to the conclusion he's going to kill David and is repeatedly rebuffed by Jonathan or or you know is is convinced that that's not the right thing to do. But finally David realizes, you know what, I gotta I gotta get away after Saul actually tries to kill him. So then we have these additional episodes, the the one among the uh, the caves, where Saul seemingly just falls into David's hands, and David lets him go and says, "Listen, I'm I I still honor you as both a father and as the anointed one of the Lord." Keeping in mind that the Lord had already told Samuel sometime before that he had taken his blessing away from Saul, but. David still saw him through such eyes, the eyes of a son. So Saul says, you're right. I've, I've done wrong. I shouldn't have, have pursued you. I've done you harm. I'm going to leave you alone. And then David thinks twice about returning with Saul. Instead, David retreats further into the mountains. Well, despite Saul's encouragements, he actually continues to gather forces and pursue David. So then there's a second episode that's not referenced in here where David actually is able to sneak into Saul's camp and take both the, uh, the spear and the, the uh, water bag from beside Saul's head as he sleeps. And again, David proves that, you know, I could have slain you. I, I could have, I could have ended this, but I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to have this conflict. And once again, Saul says, you're right, you're right, you know, you could have, you could have taken me out. Um, I, I really should stop pursuing you. But once again, he doesn't. And ultimately, David ends up actually fleeing into the lands of the Philistines, where he meets with a priest and stays with the Philistines there, which seems like a complete uh, betrayal in some respects. But tr- truly, he was just seeking to have a safe place for him and his companions. So Saul ends up going to war once again with the Philistines. And we hear in the very last reading uh, from the Old Testament this week on Saturday's reading um, that David learns that Saul um, and his son Jonathan were, were slain, uh, along with a number of others. But those two in particular, based on their importance to David. In fact, Saul actually ends up slaying himself because he's being pursued by the Philistines. It's clear that he's lost the battle uh, and he falls on his own sword. And then his armor bearer 
out of grief does the same. Um, but in fact, uh, Saul and his his son Jonathan, their bodies and others, are hung from the walls of one of the cities, um, and uh, and the rest of the army is basically routed. And this is where David finds himself that that he's learned that the people of Israel, the people who in some respects turned their backs on him, have died, and he has um, he is in extreme grief. It's, it's it's really amazing unto itself in this single episode that David could have so much um, pain and grief at the death of the person in the army that had sought to kill him and had sought to destroy all of his companions. Um, but that's that's precisely the kind of heart that the Lord was commenting to Samuel originally on finding in in David. So with that as background on what's happening in the book of Samuel, I think it's important to uh, to think about the context and the parallels between the Old and the New Testament. Because what we're really getting here is a call for a revolution, a call for change. This weekend's readings are going to be particularly prominent um, as the gospel is um, a fairly brief version of the um, uh, of the third luminous mystery, which is the proclamation of the kingdom of God. And all that's really said there is after John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And we go from there to Jesus calling upon uh, Simon and his brother Andrew um, and telling them that he would make them fishers of men. It's a little bit of backing up um, from where we were previously. But I think the more more poignant reading this weekend actually isn't from the gospel. It's from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, where he says, I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those having wives act as not having them, those weeping as not weeping, those rejoicing as not rejoicing, those buying as not owning, those using the world as not using it fully. For the world in its present form is passing away. Pretty powerful words. And I think that's why we're seeing these two parallel stories forming between the Old Testament and the New Testament this week. Saul is, in many ways, a direct comparison to the priestly society among the Hebrews in Jesus' time. In both cases, these are individuals who were established and and anointed by God to lead the Hebrews, to lead the nation of Israel. And in both cases, the pursuit of their own power and dominance becomes more important than what they were originally called to do. That they cease to see their purpose as obedience to God, and they see their office and uh, the preservation of laws as being there to secure their power. That they are tools for their own control. And then we see David and Jesus coming along and upsetting that apple cart. In the case of Saul and David, 
David acknowledges and honors Saul until the day of Saul's death as the anointed one and does all he can to avoid actually having a conflict with Saul, continuously is retreating, has multiple opportunities to kill Saul, and yet doesn't. And so in both of these cases, Jesus and David then establish their own close communities that are in and of themselves seen as threats to the control of the old guard. In the case of Jesus, he has the throngs of people who actually put him in jeopardy just based on their numbers and management to the crowds. But he also names his 12 apostles so that he has people that he can send out and to have a broader effect. In the case of David, he has his 600 companions. And in both cases, they're there through thick and thin and to ensure that this this new message, that this new teaching and this new leadership can be followed. So imagine people's thoughts. If you were just a, a, a common person in either of those times, imagine the, the, the type of turmoil and tumult that you would be seeing in the society around you, that everything that had been built up is now being, being challenged, is being questioned. We're regularly called to acknowledge the revolutionary nature of being a Christian. That it's not an easy thing to do, and that everything that we see in the society around us has been established almost for its own purpose. That money, in many cases, a paycheck, is is a scorecard more than a means to create good in the world. That people in power are oftentimes more concerned with preserving their own power than in the cause that originally drew them to the power itself. Where you have a politician who came into to the government seeking dramatic change into doing good things for the world, but only ends up focused on their own office. And we're called to look at how we can make a difference in our own piece of the world, to bring that revolutionary leadership, that revolutionary change in whatever small piece that we can. So now we've got these throngs of people in both cases, in David's and in Jesus' case, and in our modern times, throngs of people who, albeit maybe diminishing over time, that are called to make a big difference. And the question is, how do, we, how do we point them in that direction? How do we encourage them to challenge everything that they've seen and drive for the kind of revolutionary good that the Lord calls upon all of us to be, be doing? To be directing the energies of that crowd for good and not for self-satisfaction. So as we listen to the the gospel and the reading reading from uh, St. Paul this weekend, 
just encourage you to think about what's that one piece of revolutionary change you can make in your own life. That leadership you can offer to the broader world in the way that we're being called to take down the old guard in some respects in favor of ensuring the will of God is done through every one of our actions. Thanks be to God. Thank you.